friends. Thanks for joining me for this In the Trenches series. This series is dedicated to conversations with women who are both mothers and nurses, navigating breastfeeding and pumping and working to treat COVID patients. I'm sharing our next conversation with Jessamine Phillips from Sacramento, California. She's working in healthcare and just two months away from reaching her breastfeeding goal for her 10 month old. She was so candid and inspiring as she shared her passion for this commitment, her journey, and how she's balancing care for her baby with the demands of her work right now. We are all staying safe at home, which means we're doing these interviews virtually, and you might hear the occasional pop or internet interference. Thanks for your patience. Here we go. Jessamine, welcome to the Pump Spotting Podcast. Thank you. So excited to have you here. And before we we dig in, what I'd love to know is just a, a bit about you, your story. You know, I know you're a mother. I know that you are a nurse, but we would love to hear from you. You know, what does your world look like generally and more specifically right now? What do your days look like for you? Well, I am originally from Springfield, Missouri, and I started my career out at Barnes Jewish Hospital in St. Louis. And then my husband moved out to California and we were in a long distance relationship for a while. And then after a year and a half, I realized he wasn't going to come back. So I should probably try and find work out here in um, California. So I dove into travel nursing and I did travel nursing working at six different hospitals throughout California. And then I transitioned to working on my doctorate, actually in nursing, and I was able to find a stable job at UC Davis. And as I was finishing up my doctorate, I became pregnant and now I have a 10 month old (laughs) and my days pretty much now consist of working and taking care of my 10 month old because her daycare is obviously closed and I'm actually in California, you're able to split up your maternity leave. We're actually very fortunate here because if you work it right, you're able to take off up to a year of leave. So I took four months off in the beginning and next week I'm going to be able to go on my second half of my maternity leave, which they call baby bonding and childcare leave which is a relief for me with what's going on with the COVID, but also with my breastfeeding journey because it's challenging to work full-time and breastfeed. On the World Breastfeeding Day, I actually heard this statistic that the average mother spends 1,800 hours during the first year breastfeeding, which we know that that's more than a full-time job. So when I read that statistic, I just started bawling (laughs) because I was like, this is evidence that what I'm doing is so tremendously difficult. So yeah, that's where I'm at. Well, what you're doing on so many levels is tremendously difficult. The, you know, motherhood in and of itself brings so many things to navigate and then breastfeeding, the amount of time and the things you have to Mm -hmm. learn and the fact that it's ever changing. And then for you, you're, you know, you have to kind of put yourself out there as a nurse day in and day out. And now you're faced with this pandemic that just changes everything. So tell us, I mean, how has your breastfeeding journey been beyond the overwhelming amount of time? What has it taught you or what does it look like for you to kind of navigate this? So I would say that it has been a tremendous struggle. And 
it's been so eye-opening to me because I am a nurse. I am a nurse. I know the benefits of breastfeeding and the amount of resources that I had, the amount of resources and support that I had were overwhelming and I still wanted to give up. And the last few weeks have been tremendously difficult and the ebb and flows of dealing with your uh, supply decreasing, which the other part is, is your output from a pump is not reflective of your supply. And there's so much misinformation out there that I really had to dig in and be dedicated to it. And so this experience opened my eyes to this is why women don't breastfeed. This is why moms just give up because it's easier not to breastfeed. And I share my story with whoever I can, because I think that women have a lot of mom guilt, right? And you don't necessarily want to share that. I'm not enjoying this relationship that is supposed to be one of the best gifts there is. Or you feel like other women do this all the time. Why can't I suck it up and do this? Uh, Because it's hard. (laughs) You're tired. Yes, you are exhausted. Mm -hmm. And all those things you're navigating, you know, your emotions and the logistics of where do you pump and how does that fit into your work schedule? And, you know, just have you eaten enough and water? It's it's all these tiny inputs that impact Mm what this is. And it's, you know, we, it's, you can't think of the whole scope of that. It's kind of like, you know, birth, I think we would never do it if we really understood the depth of what it's going to, you know, ask of us. But then when you're in it, it's really easy to feel as though you are not doing it well, when the truth mm-hmm. is, you can't control all those things. And it, you know, it is what it is. And I think you're right, being able to speak up to one another about what this looks like and you know what it is when when you've been in those moments and really felt like you wanted to quit what what has helped you keep going or get through it what have you found to be most supportive for you in those those dark days i take it a day at a time right and i've had to look at it as okay i've had dips in my supply before what is causing this specific dip is it hormonal is it I'm dehydrated? Is it I'm stressed? Is it that my daughter is not needing as much milk as she had previously? Because very, a lot of it is a supply and demand. But then also, am I pumping enough? Am I... Because when you go from feeding your baby every two to three hours at home to pumping three times in a shift your body's getting a signal that you don't need to produce as much milk. But I also kept my eye on the prize. And I say, I started out this journey that I wanted to breastfeed her for a year. And that's what I'm going to do my hardest and try. And I told myself, until I am physically not (laughs) producing any milk at all anymore, I'm not going to give her formula. So I try and uh, take myself down off the ledge, so to speak, remembering those things. 
Yeah. One feed one day at a time is sometimes all you can do to get through. And I think no feeding journey is the perfect one, no matter how people do it. But certainly, you know, for you, how amazing you're at 10 months to towards mm. your goal. And you're really, you've really committed and been there and shown up. And, you know, when you think back about this time period, are there, you know, what have been some of the, the bright spots? What sort of beyond, you know, the thinking about the struggle, what is it that's really fulfilled you about this journey? Looking at my daughter and seeing that 15 pounds of flesh that she has is for me. I did that. And how amazing it is that she was able to grow and develop the way that she was just based on what I could give her. But the other huge thing that has kept me going in this and that has been so amazing is the protective antibodies that she's received. Her daycare had some cases of hand, foot, and mouth disease. And my husband actually ended up getting it and my daughter didn't. And I think it's because she had the breast milk and then so far has not gotten COVID, right? And I think that me knowing that within 20 minutes of me being exposed to something, I have developed antibodies that could possibly give her protection has been so incredibly fulfilling because this is a gift that I can give her. It's got to feel really amazing to have at least, you know, in this time where we don't have much control over a lot of things. And certainly for you, I would imagine you're, you know, you're in a healthcare environment where your, your level of exposure or your risk to that could be higher, that you know that you can nurse and that at least that one piece of it is something you can really take care of and take charge of and and really believe in because tell me i mean what are you doing or how does it look for you to go into the hospital environment and then come back home hmm. so i will say that i am lucky that i've had a lot of support from my management and my coworkers and when i met with the lactation consultant at five months, I went back to work at four months. And at five months, I stopped. What I now understand is, is I stopped responding to my conventional pump that I had. And I told her what I was doing. And at that point, that was back in October. Um, I was working quite a few weekends and my husband would bring my daughter to work to nurse twice in my shift. So I would be gone for 12 hours, but she would come and nurse and that helped keep my supply up. So sweet of your husband. <laughs> yeah. What a great support. Yeah, it really, and I think that that has contributed to me being able to continue my supply. And then I switched over to the hospital grade pump. So I carry this massive pump around with me to work and people look at me and they're like, what is that? Is that a sewing machine? And I'm like, no, it's a hospital grade pump. <laughs> and I've pumped in bathrooms. I've pumped in closets. I've pretty much overtaken the PA's office on our unit so that I could pump. But once uh, COVID became, came to head, which was about mid-March, the hospital stopped allowing visitors. But I made the decision that I didn't want to bring my daughter uh, probably the second week of March anymore because I felt like it was too dangerous because 
we didn't know who had COVID and who didn't, and you could be asymptomatic. And so as far as trying to prevent the possible transmission of COVID and you're constantly paranoid, right? Because you're like, okay, is it in my scrubs? Is it now? Is it in my car? So I've tried to think about that on the bright side, if I have been exposed to COVID, that I've made antibodies to it. So hopefully my milk is protective. But what we do as precautionary is I take off all of my clothes and my shoes in the garage. And then I race upstairs and I shower before I touch my daughter. I think we've tried to be as, I guess, sanitary and proactive as possible. But some of the studies are coming out that show that, I guess, the COVID virus can last up to three days on certain surfaces, that kind of thing. But we try to limit as much as possible what I bring in and out of the home and in and out of work. My pump supplies, obviously, I can't not bring them in and out of work. Hey friends, we want to take a quick break and remind you of all the places you can connect with us and this lovely pump spotting community. If you're a nursing, pumping, or new mom, or a seasoned mom who just wants to get back, hop on our app. If you're also working or you're part of a company that wants to support breastfeeding employees, then Pump Spotting at Work is for you. Find out more at pumpspotting.com. Well, in some ways, you can think about how you are leaving behind elements of work. And in other ways, I feel like the emotional piece of this now, it seems as though it might be harder to separate. You can't really check your emotions at the door. Mm-hmm. Either way, I would imagine, you know, whether you're taking your emotions from work and coming in or taking your emotions from home and bringing them to work. And so have you found that this coronavirus in this time period has impacted sort of how you're feeling and, and how you're navigating the fusion of work and motherhood? So two or three weeks ago, my husband came down with a severe respiratory viral infection. And a week into it, I knew he was sick, but a week into it, he lost his sense of taste and smell. And so we were very concerned that he had COVID, but I thought in the back of my mind, well, he probably has an upper respiratory infection plus it's allergy season out here in Sacramento. So I think that that was what it was, but his doctor went ahead and checked him, but the waiting period was excruciating. It it was so difficult because I have guilt that did I bring this into my home and I could have been an asymptomatic carrier and give it to my husband. And then his elderly mother lives with us. And then am I exposing all these people? So you definitely have a sense of guilt. But then I also think about the fact this is in the community. So they could have gotten it from going to the grocery store. So it's not just because, yes, I have a higher risk of having been exposed to it because of where I work. They didn't necessarily get exposed from me. 
I wonder how there's so much shifting all the time around you. It's every, mm -hmm. you know, day to day in the hospital, the decisions and you know what it sounds like everything is constantly the new normal <laughs> in terms of what it looks like for the hospital. And also that's so true of motherhood. What centers you or how do you find sort of a true <laughs> north in this? Um, taking it a day at a time. So the other thing that I would like to say that I'm very fortunate, the president of our hospital provided staff with 128 hours of emergency administrative leave that we could take for four reasons. One, if we ourselves got COVID. Two, if we were caring for a family member that had COVID. Three, if we needed to provide childcare for either, you know, our daycare is closed or the kids are out of school and we don't have anybody to watch them kind of thing. Or four, if you are just feeling anxiety or stress during this situation, like a mental health day kind of thing. So there's some caveats, obviously, to the leave. But I went to my boss and as I mentioned, my husband had been sick and I said, so my family's really struggling right now. My husband is sick. He's supposed to be working from home. You can't work from home and take care of a 10 month old that doesn't work that way. And I need to take some time off to make sure that my husband gets better that he heals from this, but also so that I can make sure that my daughter has what she needs. And I said, this leave is available for us to use. And I think it would be very beneficial for me to take it right now. And obviously she had to get it approved and find staffing to cover the shifts that I missed. But I took one shift that meant that I had five days off. And that really helped getting my husband better. And then I worked last Sunday and then I took a full week off. And now my husband is 100% better. And I feel more centered because in all of this, right, we're being forced to look at what is really important. And hands down, my family has to come first. And so having that safety net, so to speak, and I am acknowledging the fact that I'm pretty sure most organizations are not offering this emergency administrative leave. And then I'm thanking God that I had the foresight to split my leave because now the 20th is my last shift and I'm off until the last week of May. And being able to have this time off with my daughter is going to get me to that finish line of a year of breastfeeding, which is right what my ultimate goal is. This makes me think so much about um, just what you know, healthcare mothers, you know, nurses, doctors, everyone, because you've been in this 10 months. So you've been doing this for a while. It's not just during this COVID time. You've been navigating this journey for a long time. And you, you know, it sounds amazing that you have an employer that's really willing to work with you in terms of allowing mothers that space to determine when they're going to need the break in this time and also mm -hmm. for them to really show up right now in terms of mental health. Do you, you know, having been through this, what do you think, what are some of the things that we as a, you know, a culture and a country and employers could think about in terms of supporting, especially breastfeeding mothers who work in the healthcare field? 
So I only know my experience, but I'm pretty sure that most employers don't legally, they are supposed to have rooms that are designated for breastfeeding, but in the UC Davis system, it's a whole program. It's a lactation. And that I think the title of it is uh, transition balancing work life. And there are tips for being able to do both. But I think what's the word that I'm looking for? Not mandatory, but women need a certain amount of uh, guaranteed, guaranteed leave after they have a baby. Because I'm sorry, six weeks is not enough time. When I was at six weeks, I was still trying to figure it out. Like I can't imagine, I went back at four months and that was perfect for me. But the other part of it is I knew that if I wasn't ready to go back, I didn't have to go back. It was, I was ready to go back to work And I felt like I was at a good place where I could put my daughter in daycare, right? And I am a a member of a lot of groups online and there is not the support that women need to be able to successfully be a breastfeeding mother and work at the same time. And it's unrealistic expectations of women. And this is why they don't breastfeed for exclusively for six months, let alone a year. I, I read, I've read the guidelines from who and AAP so many times. And they say, you know, we recommend exclusive breastfeeding and I'm sorry, pumping guidelines to pump every two to three hours when you're away from the baby. No, that, that is not going to happen in a, a quote, normal work environment. So I think it's a balance, right? So women have to be authoritative. I have a very type A personality and I'm very much strong headed in the sense that I can communicate that I'm going to do something, but I don't know that many women out there have the internal strength to look at employer and say, so it is my right to pump. And continue to be a breastfeeding mother and you should be supportive of this. I will say that even though I felt very passionate and strongly about continuing to do this, I sometimes feel uncomfortable that someone might question my ability to continue doing my job as a bedside nurse and pump while at work. You have to navigate those. I would say no one has ever questioned me, but I also think that I do what I can to make sure that I don't leave any work for someone while I'm pumping. I just say, hey, I'm going to go pump. Can you watch my lights for me? But here again, I'm in California. We have a very strong union that has staffing ratios. So I I want to reiterate that I know that I am probably in the most utopian-like scenario possible for breastfeeding and being a working mother. And I still struggle. (laughs) I still struggle. 
I think that it's such an important point because we've, you know, we've talked to so many women and it's partly why I think these conversations are so vital that we have and that we all, we talk about what does it look like to be a breastfeeding working mother? And it looks so different for so many people. And I think it's sometimes hard for employers and others, coworkers to really wrap their head around what are those needs and what does it mean and, and how, much it's not a reduction in your productivity or your your want to do great things at work, but it's just a necessity to really be able to fuel things. And the more we're so, women are supported in being able to carry out their breastfeeding journey and their goals the way they want to, you know, it's healthier for everyone. It's happier. It's a better thing. And I think that's partly why we started our Pump Spotting at Work program to really be an advocate on behalf of mothers who maybe don't have as much, you know, strength as you sometimes just to have those really hard conversations about what we need. And I think there's some beautiful things happening and there's still a long way for us to go, but it's, you know, hearing your story and really talking about what is, what does it look like? And especially when you're in, you know, nursing and in a field that you're in where it is much harder to say, I can schedule my day around all these, (laughs) these moments to pump. It's just the reality of that. You could speak to it much better than me, but I can only imagine how challenging that must be. You never know how your shift's going to go. And especially the ebb and flow of the unit is very different. And sometimes I've had to speak up and say, I can't go at 930 because I'm not ready to pump. Like my daughter nursed right at seven. So it's not going to be a beneficial pumping session. And I've never had anybody come back and say, well, you missed your pumping break then. I think a lot of it is the culture that is established on our unit. And if we could have that culture across the country, so many more women would breastfeed for longer and they would feel successful doing so. Because I think women many times are forced to choose. They're either going to work or they're going to be a breastfeeding mother. And the other very beneficial part of this experience is that my husband has been, his eyes have been opened to what it has been like to breastfeed and be a breastfeeding mother because he's seen me go through it. He is a manager. So I think it's opened his eyes. It, and becoming a parent, obviously. And that has been a transition of itself. I mean, that's a really beautiful outcome in a way, an unexpected Mm -hmm. moment of what it is. Cause I think even, you know, even when our partners want to be supportive, they also don't understand, but for him to really see what you need and then take that to heart, not just as your partner, but as uh, someone who works with other people in terms of his employees and those around him, it's those little light bulb moments that I think are going to continue to really build this community of support. So good for him. That's amazing. And I will say that when we first started out, it was horrible. I had cracked nipples and uh, I bled and I had opened up to a couple of people about it later on. The best description that, that she gave is imagine that your baby's tongue is sandpaper against your, your nipples. And so I was cracked and bleeding. And I remember specifically about 10 days in, my husband was like, you know what, love? He said, 
we tried and I, this is because I was crying in pain. And he said, we tried to do this. And if you don't want to do this, it's okay. I understand why. And we won't look back. And what I said was, so my OB told me to give it two weeks. She said, give it two weeks and you and your baby will be like a well-oiled machine and you've got this. And so I think having those milestones in your head or having those, this is what to expect that even when it's unexpected, you can hold on to that, right? And so me just being like, if I can make it four more days and do what my OB told me and not give up, and then at two weeks, if it's still horrible, I can say that I, I tried and I did it. And, or I tried and I couldn't do it anymore. That gave me strength because I made it that to that two week mark. So I can make it to four weeks. I can make it to three months and so on. And now look at you. Congratulations. You are just months away from your goal of making it a year. It's a really, really amazing thing. Congratulations. Thank you. Well, it has been such an honor to get to hear your story and to spend this time with you. And thank you for all you're doing to care for other people as you're caring for your family. It just, it's really inspiring what you're, what you're doing. And before we end, we'd love to ask all those who visit us to leave this community with a sentiment about an uplifting words of advice or something that you would love to share with other moms. So is there something, you know, from your own experience or this time period that you would say to pass on? Uh, the old adage, this too shall pass. That has been very beneficial to me because the first year of your child's life is so incredibly challenging and humbling, right? And navigating what it means to be a mother, what it means to be a breastfeeding working mom, and just knowing that everything passes eventually and holding on to those small incremental successes. Amazing. Thanks, Jessamine. Thank you so much for letting me participate in this. It kind of pulls on my heartstrings, right? Because it's like, I did this, right? And mm -hmm. it's been good to talk about it because you feel very isolated at times um, because a lot of people don't know what you're going through. So I feel like kind of uh, re-energized about, okay, <laughs> I can, I can go what, um, eight, four more weeks, four more weeks. Cause she'll be 11 months on the 22nd. Thank you to Jessamine for her dedication and her story. If you're enjoying this, you'll want to listen in on our last conversation as part of this series with Jenna Manini from Florida. She has some beautiful thoughts on motherhood to share. This has been the Pump Spotting Podcast. We'll be continuing the conversation and hanging out over on our app. We hope you'll come by to share your story and thoughts. And if you haven't already downloaded Pump Spotting, it's quick and easy to set up your profile and join the community. Thank you so much for listening, and thanks to our wonderful production team at Pitchwire, who partner with us to bring you these stories. We'll see you next time, and remember, you are capable, you are radiant, and you are not alone. <laughs>